I thank you, my Heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have graciously kept me this day. For into your hands I commend myself, my body and soul, and all things. Let your holy angel be with me. Amen. From the century-old St. John's Lutheran Church of Taylor, Michigan, comes the coast-to-coast -coast edition of Martin Luther's Evening Prayer. The message from God's Word is prepared and delivered by Rev. Dr. Richard Ziley, and this local broadcast is made possible by the generosity of hearers like you. To partner with this ministry, write Radio St. John's Lutheran Church, 13115 Telegraph Road, Taylor, Michigan, 48180. That's Radio St. John's Lutheran Church, 13115 Telegraph Road, Taylor, T-A-Y-L-O-R, Michigan, 48180. Or you may contact Dr. Ziley at D-R-Z-E-I-L-E at Juno, J-U-N-O, dot com. That's D-R-Z-E-I-L-E at Juno, dot com. Or you may like us on Facebook, Martin Luther's Evening Prayer. Any way you contact us, know that the blessing of God is prayed upon you, and we are grateful for your support. Martin Luther's Evening Prayer marks its 10th anniversary by expanding coast to coast to Bakersfield, California, Council Bluffs, Iowa, Omaha, Nebraska, Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania, Scranton, Pennsylvania, Richmond, Virginia, in addition to two stations in Detroit, Michigan. We pray that you will enjoy this message from God's Word and the traditional worship that accompanies it. May God bless your listening.
the epistle is from the Apostle James, chapter 5. Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Jacob, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our text is Psalm 43, the intro at for Judicus. I call your attention to the words of our text, Psalm 43. Vindicate me, O God, and defend my cause against an ungodly people. From the deceitful and unjust man deliver me. For you are the God in whom I take refuge. Why have you rejected me? Why do I go about mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? Send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your dwelling. Then I will go to the altar of God, to God my exceeding joy, and I will praise you with the lyre, O God, my God. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. This is our text. It is the Christian conviction that the Psalms are primarily about Christ. Our Lord himself said in the last chapter of Luke, Everything written of me in the law, the prophets, and the Psalms had to be fulfilled. Believing this, let us meditate today on what Psalm 43 says about Christ's passion, his sacrifice on the cross. Now in the first place, according to the Psalm, Christ suffered at the hands of three parties. In the first place, Christ suffered at the hands of men. Defend my cause against an ungodly people. Like Elijah and Elisha, Isaiah and Jeremiah, Christ was rejected by his people. He who was the culmination of the prophets should, like the prophets, be rejected by Israel. And God foresaw that Israel would reject her Messiah. But God used this to save Gentiles, that the rejected Messiah should be the Savior not just of Israel, but of the world. The psalm says, From the deceitful and unjust man deliver me. 
Did you ever stop to ask who are these people? The deceitful man was the high priest Caiaphas who made the false charges. He wanted Christ dead because he claimed to be the son of God. But he changed the charge when he brought him to Pilate saying, oh, he makes himself a king and opposed to Caesar. He was the deceitful man. And who was the unjust man? Pilate himself committed to Roman ideals of justice, who knew Christ was innocent, but sentenced him to death anyway. And this was to fulfill what Psalm 2 had said. The kings of the earth rise up, and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed. The apostles themselves in the book of Acts Bring this up as praise to God that though the Jews and the Gentiles had ganged up against his Messiah, nevertheless, Christ rose and won the victory. And not only did Christ suffer at the hands of men, he suffered at the hands of Satan. The psalm says, why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? Did you ever stop to ask, who is the enemy? The enemy of humankind is Satan, the accuser, who lives in torment and seeks to torment others. His doom is assured and he wants us to share his doom because misery loves company. Satan tempted Christ in Gethsemane with thoughts and anticipation of suffering. He tried to persuade Christ that you and I weren't worth it, that humankind was lost and not worth the suffering of the Son of God. It's no accident this happened in the Garden of Gethsemane, for it was in the Garden that he tempted Adam and Eve and persuaded them. So he attempted in Gethsemane to persuade our Lord. It led him to earnestly pray, Father, not my will, but thine be done. If it is your will, take this cup from me. Christ resisted the temptation, though it was difficult. And Satan tormented our Lord not just by his own thoughts and anticipation of suffering. He attacked the people that Christ cared about. Satan entered into Judas to get him to betray his Lord for money and then to despair and hang himself. Satan sought to sift Peter like wheat and got him to deny his Lord before the servant girl. Satan attacks us both to cause us turmoil within and to attack the people we care about. Thus the psalmist says, Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? That's the action of Satan, who invites, then accuses, provoking turmoil within people and among people. Christ suffered at the hands of men, at the hands of Satan, but hardest to bear, Christ suffered at the hands of his heavenly Father. 
The psalmist says, you are the God in whom I take refuge. Why have you rejected me? Well, this recalls Psalm 22, quoted on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? St. Paul tells us why. Because he who knew no sin became sin for us. And God hates sin. That's the meaning of the three hours of darkness on Good Friday. When the Father forsook the Son. That's why we have these veils recalling how Christ the great high priest went behind the veil to make atonement for his people, suffering at the hands of his heavenly Father. You know, we love to quote John 3.16, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. But did you ever stop to think what that word gave means? Gave to whom? How did this giving take place? Like Abraham, God made a sacrifice, a sacrifice of his beloved son. Christ went as the sacrifice for sin. As the psalm says, then I will go to the altar of God. Do you ever stop to think about what an altar is? The altar is the place of sacrifice. Synagogues do not have altar. They have a cabinet for the Torah scroll, but no altar. Most Protestant churches do not have altars. They might have a table and or a pulpit or a lectern, but no altar. But churches of word and sacrament have altars, places of sacrifice. We have an altar prominent in our sanctuary, and it represents Christ. Christ's place of sacrifice was on the cross of Calvary. As it says in our psalm, let them bring me to your holy hill. And so our customs reflect these truths. On our altar, the sacrifice Christ rests every time we celebrate the Holy Communion because we believe his words, this is my body, this is my blood poured out for you for the remission of sin. And just as ancient Israel ate of the sacrifices by which their sins were forgiven, so do we. This altar represents Christ. An altar is a meeting place between God and man, and Christ is the meeting place in his incarnation of God and man in the same person. This altar is engraved with the name of Jesus right there in the center, the Greek letters which look like an IHS but stand for the name Jesus. The Alpha and the Omega are carved on each side of the altar because Jesus said, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. 
And were we to take the paraments off the top of that altar, you would find five crosses engraved in the menza or tabletop. These five crosses stand for the five wounds of our Lord, two in his hands, two in his feet, and one in his side. And because the cross is the true altar of our Lord, the cross is always associated with the altar. Like many churches, we have a small cross on the altar itself. It is customary to have a cross behind the altar on the raritas, or many churches have one hanging from the ceiling over the altar. Because the cross is the true altar on which our Lord was sacrificed. And reconciled to God by this sacrifice, our prayers are now made acceptable to God. Hence our use of prayer altars, small altars in Sunday school or in chapels. These recall Christ's sacrifice and enable us to respond in prayer. They remind us that we are living sacrifices because Christ dwells in us. And we then offer our sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips, which proclaim the wonders God has done. And that sacrifice accepted, we praise God for our salvation. Consider what our psalm says, hope in God, for I shall again praise Him. Christ knew God's plan and spoke of it many times. He said, the Son of Man must go to Jerusalem, be betrayed, suffer, and die, but on the third day, rise. I shall again praise him. The psalm says, send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me to your dwelling. In John 13, the apostle writes, Jesus knowing that he had come from God and he was returning to God, poured water in a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet. Elsewhere in John's Gospel, the Lord says, When I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men to myself. The cross is both the sacrifice and the victory of our Lord. Therefore, the psalm begins with these words, Vindicate me, O God, that is, judge me and find me in the right. The resurrection was Christ's vindication. It showed that the Father had accepted the sacrifice for our salvation. The fact that death could not hold him showed that he was free of sin. And the resurrection showed that Christ taught the truth, validating his gospel, confirming his promises both to rise again and that he will come again for us on the last day. And that resurrection shall be ours as well. I will praise him, my salvation and my God, says the psalmist. These are the same thoughts of Isaiah the prophet who wrote, The Lord God is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. Then I will go to the altar of God to God my exceeding joy. And I will praise you with the lyre, O God, 
my God. Because Christ has gone to the altar of the cross, we can approach the altar of God in confidence, confidence of forgiveness, salvation, and life eternal. Amen. Amen. And may that peace of Christ keep your hearts and minds in this true faith to life everlasting. The mission of St. John's Lutheran Church is to conserve and promote the true faith of our Lord Jesus Christ in our members, our community, and our world. I thank you, my Heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have graciously kept me this day, and I pray that you would forgive me all my sins where I have done wrong, and graciously keep me this night 
For into your hands I commend myself, my body and soul, and all things. Let your holy angel be with me, that the wicked foe may have no power over me. Amen. Then go to sleep at once, and in good cheer.